everybody. Yep. Welcome to another episode of DFV. I am Black Cinephile. I am AKA Brad. That is AKA Brad. And we got a new one for you guys today. We got a one that is um, timed just right. We, uh, we're looking at the different adaptations of Pinocchio. We have uh, Disney Plus's latest live action Pinocchio, directed by Robert Zemeckis. And we got Netflix's latest uh, stop motion animation Pinocchio. Directed by Guillermo del Toro. Brad, how you been doing? I've been doing good. And uh, for this one, I when you threw this one into the kind of fold of going, hey, we should do this as an episode. Uh, I was already thinking, I'm going to watch the Guillermo del Toro movie anyway. So yeah. th- this works out. <laughs> Highly anticipated, the, the oh, del yeah. Toro one. Well, he's been working on it for several years now, and the fact that it was stop-motion animation, too, uh, it just goes to show just how much passion he has into his projects. Stop-motion animation is the fact that it's based off the original novel. Yes. Um, whereas the uh, Disney much one doker, is... darker tone to it. Darker tone, and the Disney one is based off the original uh, Disney cartoon. Uh, so, you know, it, it, it's different perspectives. I feel like this is a true DFV episode here mm-hmm. where we can really compare and contrast and see what works and what doesn't. Right. Uh, so, uh, I think it's only best we start with the Disney one since that one came first before Netflix. What do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, well, uh, yeah, I guess that that'll work out. All right. I know we in a chronological. I know we in a chronological family, but we can we, we can bend the rules. Why not? Right. Uh, you want to take this one over, and I can do Del Toro. Uh, I can take this one over. Uh, so the Disney live action 2022 adaptation of Pinocchio follows the same story beats as the original animated feature, where a puppeteer named uh, Geppetto <laughs> creates a model of a puppet boy who once he wishes to become a real boy turns to life and it's up to the puppet to make sure that it can reach the last point of Geppetto's wish and becoming real by having a conscious and growing morality and everything that makes somebody a person as opposed to just a living being. So we follow the story as he goes through and he has to fight temptations of becoming famous, of indulging in many sins, and eventually risking his life in order to save his own father. I mean, yeah, it's pretty. And uh, and if he lies, his nose grows. Yes. And if he lies, his nose grows. (laughs) You can't you can't miss the the main thing everyone knows Pinocchio for. Uh, yeah, and just really about being a, a real boy. Hey, did I mention I don't like musicals? Uh, you? You keep recommending yeah, I, musicals, like, every other week, though. <laughs> yeah, I know. I just... I, <laughs> listen, <laughs> let me tell you something. When I saw Del Toro's film, and I was watching it, we'll get to it, I was like, wait, what's going on here? Why is why is there musical numbers? Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then I watched this. The moment the Disney logo came on... Now when you wish upon, I was like, oh gosh, they starting <laughs> off right from the beginning. I forgot that both of these were musicals, man. Right. Or they they got musical elements to them. But uh yeah, the Disney yeah. version definitely is very heavily focused on a musical aspect. Uh the Guillermo del Toro version does have a couple musical numbers, but it's not as prominent as a part of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, so off the top, dude, what do you think about, I think I like that Jordan Gordon Levitt's voice is colorful in this film, but I don't know if I like his Jiminy Cricket impression. What do you feel about that? Uh, it, it was a little awkward if I'm being honest. It's, it, yes, it was colorful and everything like that, but it just sounded wrong. And I don't know if it sounded wrong because the the model of Jiminy is just so bad. I did not like that model at all. It was it went from like the cute little cricket that we have in the animated thing. And they were like, right. well, let's take that design and we'll make it realistic. And they created a nightmare. <laughs> 
right? And it's like it's like one part of the face with the eyes was one shade, and then the mouth was like a lighter green shade. Right. It's like they took a model of a cricket and they went, "Yeah, that's good enough. Now put clothes on it." It's like, no, stop it. it that's one of the problems with uh, these live action adaptations I have is where they go so far into uncanny valley with a lot of like the models and everything. You can't take it seriously. Right. It's hard because then you still have elements that uh, the movie seemed to follow and go, hey, we had these characters in the animated one. We need to have them here, too. And so we have like the fish who does absolutely nothing except exist and become a nuisance for Geppetto to carry around. Uh, You have the cat, which the cat is so weird with its CG. I thought the cat was cute. I thought it was a cute CGI cat. Like, I could give give or take it. I, I could take it or leave it. It was in that realm of CG where it looked realistic, but it didn't move realistically. So it just looks strange. You know where you're like, okay, that looks like a cat. And then when it starts moving, it's not moving like a cat. And you're just like, what is it, though? You know, like if I saw that in person, I'd be backing away from it because I'd be like, that's not a cat. It looks like a cat, but that's not a cat. (laughs) How about we talk about how the blue fairy. (laughs) Oh, God, the blue fairy. I like how Cynthia um, Arvio, I hope I'm so I hope i saying her actor name correctly. I love how she just pops up, goes, uh, yeah, you know, let me put this thing to life. Uh, you know, Pinocchio was already alive. He was just repeating what, what he heard Jiminy Cricket, right, yeah. everything Jimmy Cricket says. She goes, oh, let me let me fix that. And let me fix that. Musical number. Mm-hmm. All right. Deuces. <laughs> it yeah. just never comes back to the rest of the movie. <laughs> I, I love that uh, Jimmy even like makes a comment. Oh, we're rhyming again. I, I guess that's uh... <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, he just takes the. Um... I like how like okay, we'll get to the cricket in Del Toro's one, but I like how Jimmy Cricket. I like how he serves as a conscious for Minocchio. I think that's a good role for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just like it's like you said, the colorful voice. It just. Oh, uh, let me say something to this whippersnapper here. There you go, boy. You got it. You you got it down packed. I'm like, all right, can we tone that down a little? Yeah, he also was, I don't know, the fourth wall breaking stuff with Jiminy did not work out where he was like talking to the camera and he talks to himself as the narrator. And it's just like, what are you? Am I going to get warm soon? Right. Or just yeah. keep on walking, boy. Yeah, just well, keep on walking. Who are you? I was like, uh, all right, I like I, I kind of let that go. But, yeah, it did, it did have a little bit of a it was a little bit of a nuisance. Yeah. And even with uh, like the like s- slide kind of like references to what's going to like with the gravel road, if somebody doesn't patch up this gravel road, you know, straight rocks going to come out and hit somebody. And it's like, oh, I can already tell that's exactly what's going to happen. And then as soon as he goes in the jar, I was like, that's exactly how he's going to get out of the jar, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 that's how it goes with some of these movies but um dude we gotta before we get into like a little bit of plot nuances and stuff we gotta talk about tom hanks man uh i don't know what's going on bro i don't know why he chose to do this like i i like tom hanks as the good guy that's what we know him for you know mm-hmm. mr rogers uh what's another good one well he was kind of against typing elvis which he was great in but it was like this i was like i, I didn't I don't know. It just it just did not seem like an authentic Tom Hanks role to me. I mean, on paper, Tom Hanks as Geppetto does sound it it sounds like it would work. But I think with everything else in this movie where they moved him from being like a concerned dad to somebody that Mm -hmm. has to just deal with the, the fact that he now has a puppet boy. He has one moment of freaking out, and then he's like, oh, my boy, Pinocchio. Yeah. You know, uh, I love you. You go off and live life. I'm sure you'll be fine, and I right, won't have yeah. to chase after you and worry. I'm afraid to leave are. my shop, but you go to school. You'll be fine. <laughs> right, right. And it's like he has the cuddly demeanor and everything you know he's tom hanks he knows how to play a warm character right. but it's like i don't know this 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 film just feels awkward from the start 
Like, it has everything, but it's like everything in the live action sense, it, it just feels clunky and awkward. Um, I want to talk about how now this is a character I kind of enjoyed throughout. I, I enjoyed the seagull. Oh, yeah. The, uh, uh, Sally? No. Um, uh, Sophia. Sophia. That's it. Yeah. yeah so Sophia was, was, was pretty funny. And I, I like this is where Jimmy Cricket, uh, Jiminy Cricket, I like how I like his relationship with her because when he first comes out and she kind of like squawks at him, he goes, oh, God, no, no. She says, relax. I'm not going to eat you. Beetles are hard to eat anyway. Take a lot of work. Yeah, I prefer trash. <laughs> right, right. Um, and I like how he goes, uh, oh, my my guy, I'm supposed to look at starting school today. I don't know where he is. She, she said, you uh, fell asleep on the job, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, right, you're right. The back and forth between Jiminy and uh, the Seagull are just Sophia are absolutely fantastic, uh, especially when, you know, it, she's kind of carrying him around and everything like that. And he's like, oh, there, there. And she's like, OK, hold on. And then does this whole like swoop around, you know, goes through all these buildings and everything like that. The most obtrusive way of getting up to where he's going. Right. Going through windows and stuff. Pardon me. And then the family's all freaking out and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a it's a funny sequence. Um, I gotta say this, man, and this goes for this and the Del Toro one. I just don't I, I don't get the cat, I don't get the fox and the cat. I I, I really don't get it. Uh honest fox and the cat. It, yeah, so the fox, if I recall correctly, is actually voiced by Eric Andre, which I think is perfect casting. Uh, Keegan-Michael Key, I think. Is it Keegan-Michael Key? Yeah, it's not Eric Andre. Oh, I thought it was... Uh, this is Disney, bro. They ain't gonna let Eric yeah, Andre in Disney. That's true. Come on now. <laughs> I thought that would have been perfect, uh, but as soon as I heard the voice, I was like, oh, that kind of sounds like... But yeah. El Toro, maybe. Not Disney. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I don't know. It, they also had that uh, like very good kind of CG for mm-hmm. the Fox and the Cat, but I, this is another one of those things where it's like, well, the movie or the animated movie did it, so we got to do it here too. You know, it, it, there's no logic behind why they're there, though. Yeah, I mean, it's like if you live in a world where there's a talking fox who has a silent, uh, pen and tether like a uh, cat sidekick mm-hmm. with him, and you let a puppet boy into your classroom, what what happens within that five minutes where you're like? Yeah, get out of here. Real right. boys only. What what changed within the five minutes? Like, what, what made you just change your mind and go, oh, you know what? I'll take, take them out of here. Right. It, it also, they're just so cartoony in a world that's kind of being like, no, this is serious. This is a live action Pinocchio. And just him with the little cat are just so cartoony in their motion and everything like that. Like, they're the only ones that seem like they came out of the animated movie completely unscathed everybody else kind of changed up a bit yeah yeah i I, i'd agree with that yeah you never heard from them again uh in the film and uh when he's on the traveling carnival or whatever and he's doing the no strings on me musical number you know i gotta admit man i kind of like said like uh i can do without this i i Mm. I can do without this whole sequence because I felt like without the cat, without the fox and the cat, at least I would have liked staying with them in the plot. The fact that we switched them up for this big fat guy that's a greedy uh, uh, carnival leader, Stromboli. I was mm-hmm. like, I don't I don't see the point. Yeah, but at the same time, it just kind of was going through the same beats that it did for the animated movie. It just Okay. I don't know. It I guess felt, I got to keep that in mind. Yeah, it, it just felt less genuine in this one. I mean, it's been a long time since I've seen the animated Pinocchio movie. Uh, but at mm. the same time, this movie just kind of goes, OK, now we got to get to this scene. Now we got to get to this scene. Now we got to get to this scene. And there's no real connection with it, because if I recall correctly, in the original animated movie, it, it was a little bit more connected in why mm-hmm. these events were happening and how he was coming to to these events. You know, it's been a while since I watched the animated movie. So going off what you're saying, if these are like the story beats of the, of the original animated film, then I guess it's them just trying their hardest to keep everything in from a live action standpoint. But that's 
that's kind of missing the forest for the trees. Right. Yeah. It's Disney when it comes to these live action adaptations, they seem to not know what they're aiming for. Are they doing a one to one recreation? Are they trying to create a new adaptation? Like you have movies like Mulan where they were just like, okay, we're going to keep the central focus, the characters the same, and we're going to rebuild Mulan. Right. Yeah. And then you have ones like this and like Lion King where they're like, well, you know, screw the logic that we're building up in this world. We're going to hit the same story beats that the original animated one hit for the now, sake of have, hitting those story beats. Now, I haven't seen the Lion King one yet, but um, I know I saw Jungle Book and I thought that was very good. Uh, but yeah, it's like I, I think the buck needs to stop here. I know they got a Little Mermaid one coming out, um, but it's like I just I don't want to see a live action Little Mermaid. You yeah, know, it's, like uh, it's getting played out. I just because if they do the fox and the hound, you know, Harrison Ford is going to be the cranky old guy <laughs> that owns the hound. And, you know, uh, was it was it it was an old woman in that film? Too, yeah, right? the old woman had the fox. You know what I'm saying? They might get Helen Marin or, uh, mm-hmm. you know, any anyone you could think of to play the older woman. And then you got a. What I don't know, Jonah Hill and Russell Brand paying the Fox and the Hound. It's like, dude, we don't we don't need this. Yeah, it's I feel like they just are trying to find a way to keep their old content kind of in a uh, more modern light. But it's like the, the animated versions are classics. You don't need to rebreak. Mm-hmm. Bring them out. Just re-release them. Re-release them. Yeah. Yeah. Just bring them back into the fray. Do some special event with them or something like that on Disney Plus where you kind of go back and be like, hey, here's behind the scenes of these movies and stuff. Check the actual thing out now. Right. They don't need to remake it in these weird, shallow kind of, you know, uh, remake attempts. I'll say this, man. Um, The Pleasure Island sequence uh that was pretty unsettling i feel like that was a very effective unsettling sequence to me uh it was but the the entire time it was going on uh they did a great job with the building that kind of area to seem like it was this fantastic place because the effects were great in that area the animation and kind of like different things that were going on because you had the boat coming down the ramp. It goes into the, like the Ferris wheel goes back down. You have the person popping up to give them the root beers, uh, in the original animated one, I believe it's actual beer that they're drinking. So of course they had hmm. the Disney fired and <laughs> make it uh, root beer now. Yeah. They had, they had the modern day Disney fired. Yeah. Uh, it was already Disney fired. They just had to, double down on the disney fine right but at the same time my only thought was you put a lot of you know money and effort into making this perfect island to turn people into donkeys uh wouldn't it just be cheaper to buy a bunch of donkeys than (laughs) build this elaborate island to turn kids into donkeys well i think the elaborate setup of the scene just kind of speaks to robert zemeckis imagination you know, he's a very imaginative director. So I, I think him being a director for hire on this one, it, it doesn't go lost on the film's direction. So I feel like that it was a shining moment to his talent. But oh, yeah, I agree. I with feel that. like. Yeah, but I feel like. I mean, I don't know, like I, I the whole scene just kind of unsettled me, but I, but that's kind of the point. And I like how, uh, you know, there's the point where um, Lampwick uh, actually turns in to a donkey mm-hmm. and it's uh it's a little it's a little creepy and you know he runs up to pinocchio like help me help me and he's like you see in the shadow he's turning full on donkey mm-hmm. and uh yeah i like i like the tension in that scene i thought that was pretty good right it's just like from an in-universe perspective of you know have these people that are kidnapping kids in the middle of the night to bring them to an island to turn them into donkeys it's it's a weird premise it is it, it doesn't make it doesn't make much sense like there um, are so many if they really wanted to be creative with it there are so many other ways that they could have shown him having to go through and you know resist temptation and 
this movie just went, no, we, we got to follow the story beats of the original. It's it's one of those things that just holds it back so much. I, I like how um, <laughs> Jiminy Cricket goes on the ground and sees like the little demon things. or I don't, I don't know what they are. The little yeah. spirit things that were grabbing up the kids. He was like, this looks like H.E. double hockey sticks. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's such a Disney line. Oh, everything. Well, even when Jiminy is talking, he'll bring up weird, like random pop culture kind of references. And it's like, are you really? <laughs> You're really uh, trying to date this movie, aren't you? <laughs> I, well, you know, one, one of the pop culture references that I actually liked was when Honest Fox was like, uh, we'll call you, you. You look like Pine. We'll call you Chris Pine. Yeah, that one got me to laugh. Uh, I got a yeah, I good laugh out of that funny. one. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was funny. Um, the whole whale sequence towards the end, I, I don't, I don't know. I just looked at it as like, okay, you guys are kind of spinning your wheels to make this make one last ditch adventure before we before we call this film a wrap. <laughs> um, but I like how I liked a little bit of dialogue between him and his dad, where he's like, Pinocchio, where you go? Well, I went to school and then I ran to this fox and then I did this and then I joined the carnival and then I went to this island where they turned kids into donkeys and then Jiminy helped Jiminy saved me. He was like, "You did all that in one day?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that that was a funny line. Uh but getting to the whale, it's weird that they turned the whale into a weird like monster kraken kind of hybrid. Because in the original anime, it's just a blue whale. That's there's mm. nothing really special about it. It's just a giant blue whale that ends up swallowing them up. But in this movie, they decided to kind of combine it to make it into more of a monster, like the original tale had it as. Mm-hmm. And it it looks weird to me. Like I wasn't a fan of the new design on that whale, just because I don't know it they were trying to like be like look it's it's the same creature from the animated movie up until you you know realize that it has tentacles now for some reason i i i was like give or take i i take it or leave it i i, I didn't care one way or the other i said okay uh, cool design can we speed this up <laughs> you know I, I i was like i was like whatever you know. So by that point in the movie, you're just like, yeah, well, OK, come on, let's let's we still got 30 minutes of this left. Jesus Christ, <laughs> dude, I tapped out, man. Uh, when they started singing, I, I weathered through it. But it's like <laughs> I dozed <laughs> off at one point and I woke up and I and I rewound the fire where I was at because when I woke up, it was like 20 minutes left. And then when I rewound the fire, where I was at, I was like, damn it, I have an hour left. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that that's about how I felt watching this movie is just going, okay. there's only an hour left. Okay, there's only 59 minutes left. Okay, there's only 58 minutes left. Eventually, it'll be over. (laughs) Right, right, right. You know, um, yeah, 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 yeah. So overall, you know, happy ending. Uh, uh, Pinocchio makes a wish to keep his uh, dad alive. And they walk off into the blue sunset. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I just thought this one was just okay, man. It didn't build on the original too much. A lot of it came off awkward. You you had a talented director behind the boards, a talented lead actor, but it's just ah, so much of it was so clunky. Uh I, I got to give this one a 2 out of 5. Uh th- this one's a like 1.5 out of 5. It it's just a mm. soulless remake of an original classic movie that doesn't need to exist it's got some neat scenes and everything like with the pleasure island kind of stuff but outside of that there's nothing you know the puppet is dead in the eyes exactly how this movie is oh man we didn't even talk about the design i like that it looks just like the cartoon but it's creepy that it looks just like the cartoon. It, it's that same uncanny valley where they, instead of thinking, we should build what would be like a real life kind of looking Pinocchio. And they went with, well, the cartoon did it. So we got to do it this way, too. And it just looks so 
awkward when it moves and it speaking of uncanny this whole movie is uncanny valley in its cgi and animation work because it just Mm -hmm. looks so awkward and pinocchio is one of the ones that every time the screen would just be full on him it's like there's no way that i can understand geppetto being a great craftsman and everything like that but it's perfectly smooth the patterns on there are like perfectly like pattern the eyes don't make sense the eyes don't look right yeah uh the mouth is weird just every time he talked the hair the hat it's just everything about him just looks so bad Mm mm-hmm yeah it's 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 not it's not a pretty sight it's a pretty sight if this was an animated film. If right. this was a, uh, a 3D animated film, it would be a beautiful sight. But the fact that this is in live action, it just it Pinocchio just looks creepy. He doesn't look right next to like when they're on the boat on Pleasure Island, he's next to the one kid. It doesn't look right at all. The, it, you can look at it and go, something's not right with this picture. Right, right. Uh, all right, man, I'm ready to move on. What about you? Oh, I am definitely ready to move on. <laughs> All right, y'all. Next up, we got Netflix. Uh, one of Netflix's newest films. We got Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Uh, pretty much the same synopsis as the original film. A little different. A little different. We begin with a uh, prologue uh, told by Sebastian J. Cricket, uh, voiced by Aaron McGregor, who is a, uh, a cricket that travels from uh, home to home. Uh, is a writer to trying to write his life story of all his adventures that he's gone through in his life. And um, he comes across a, a little home, a little home in a tree. And uh, he, he tells the story of a carpenter, Master Geppetto, voiced by David Bradley, who um, deals with a tragedy of losing his son, uh, Carlo, uh, due to a, uh, a freak accident uh, that happens during which is with the time frame is fascist Italy. So there was a war going on, a bomb dropped on a church uh, that his son was in and um, it, it caused the tragedy. So out of a little bit of sadness and, and a little bit of madness, uh, <laughs> I love I love this. I love this uh, sequence because it makes it seem as if he's creating Frankenstein. Right. Um, Geppetto knocks down the tree that Jimmy Crick that uh, I'm sorry, Sebastian Cricket is in. <laughs> And, um, you know, out of the tree, he crafts a, a wooden doll and, um, mm-hmm. you know, the wooden doll. He 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 crafts it in in um, in tribute to in to Carlo, his 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 dead his dead son, um, a wood sprite. Uh, in this one, we're switching out the blue fairy for the wood sprite because, you know, it's more in line with the original novel uh, comes through and grants, um, you know, she she looks out for the lost spirits in the world. And, and I think Geppetto was a lost spirit. He's he's grieving his son. So she tells um, Sebastian Cricket, she goes, uh, says, I want to make, I want to turn this thing into a real life boy, but uh, it's going to need something to guide him in life. And Sebastian's like, Hey, I just, this was just my house. I don't don't want this turned to an actual living thing. He keeps calling the thing his house the whole right. time. He, he always refers to Pinocchio as his house because it, you can still see like the hole in Pinocchio's chest where, you know, the entrance to the tree was that he was using as a house. Yeah. Um. So she says, uh, I'll grant you any wish you want if you can uh, guide this young man to, um, you know, be uh, become a become a boy to fit to, to know what it's like to be human. And he goes, uh, you mean fame, fortune, anything I want? Yes, but you have to hold up your end of the deal. So Sebastian Cricket, he he takes the deal. Um, so he takes the deal, and uh, Pinocchio comes alive. Uh, I don't I don't know. Did he call him Pinocchio? Like, when did he first name him Pinocchio? Because I think he was calling him Carlo, right? The dad. Uh, at first, he was referring to him as uh, Carlo because right. that's the name of his lost son, but. He's given the name Pinocchio by the uh, wood spirit. Okay, all right. Let's so where the right. Disney one is, you know, getting named by Geppetto, uh, the wood spirit in the original story and Guillermo del Toro's movie is given by the wood spirit. Right, right. So 
you know, going from there, uh, you know, uh, Sebastian Cricket is now serving as the conscience of this uh, young puppet that is learning everything about life uh, and just learning, you know, what it means to live and to be. So pretty much the same story beats as the original film we covered, minus the uh, uh, Pleasure Island sequence. Pleasure Island is replaced by a uh, uh, a war training sequence. But other than that, it's uh, pretty much the same film, just told through a different lens. Um, yeah, yeah, a little bit different with it. Yeah, a little bit different. All right, man. Uh, just starting off, dude. Uh, what'd you feel about that prologue, man? I thought that was very well done. So I definitely like how I went into the actual like backstory of Geppetto a little bit better where we got to see him with his son. We got to see him as a craftsman, as a very professional person when it came to his artwork and everything that he does, that it it makes more sense. He feels more human than the one mm-hmm. that's in the Disney version that's like, yeah, I own this shop, but I don't sell anything from my shop because all my creations are my children kind of thing. Meanwhile, we have in the Guillermo del Toro version where he's a very talented artist, a very talented craftsman, and his son like looks up to him and goes through all this kind of stuff where he's like, I want to be just like you. You know, we're going to chop down a tree to turn it into, you know, working material, but we're going to plant a pine cone in its place to make sure that there's always material for us to use in the future. Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was a terrific prologue, man. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know what's coming because Pinocchio wouldn't be Pinocchio without the tragedy and to have some kind of inspiration for Geppetto to build him in the first place but i love right. how del-, del toro handles it it's a it's a dark subject but he handles it with care you know what i mean yes. he the thing about del toro is he doesn't go full-on dark with with all of his films he knows how to like he knows how to monitor the level of his darkness you he know, knows you either how to got, pull human emotion from dark moments and right. use that as the catalyst for decision making yeah he know, he knows how to pull back this, this wasn't full-on pan's labyrinth this was this was a family film, just on a more darker scale. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I like that about him. But uh, what I was going to say about this film was, um, dude, the voice casting in here. I mean, there's there's just no frills. Every it's spot person on. is. It is every voice in this film is is right where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, Finn, uh, not Finn Wolfhard. It was somebody else. He's a newcomer, Gregory Mann who plays both Carlo and Pinocchio. Perfect voice for Pinocchio, man. He has the the right kind of energy, the the right kind of like like vitality of someone that that plays a kid trying to understand what it's like to be a kid. Yeah. Uh somebody that's just come to life with a childlike sense of wonder. Right, right. And Ellen McGregor is a terrific cricket, man. Like he, 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 I think, I think he might be my favorite voice actor in this film next to Tilda Swinton as a, the wood sprite in death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. it when you hear like, oh yeah, Ewan McGregor is going to be playing, you know, the cricket or the Jiminy cricket counterpart for this movie, Sebastian, it, you mm-hmm. kind of go, Obi-Wan Kenobi, he's going to be a cricket. I don't know about that. But he knocked it out of the park. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he knocked it out of the park. He did. He had terrific narration. And uh, you love his rapport uh, with people who come into contact with him. Because for a long time, because you got to understand, it's been a long, long time since I've seen the cartoon. And I watched the Robert Zemeckis film after this. I was like, I was like, dude, does Geppetto see the cricket? Because it, <laughs> it came in where cricket was like, you know, making japes and making jokes and stuff like that. And nobody really paid attention to him until I saw, uh, you know, Geppetto actually talk to him. I said, oh, okay, he does see him. He just didn't care. But, uh, <laughs> right, right. And that's, that's what you love about cricket. But, um, dude, I really like Podesta, man. We got we got Ron Perlman in the house, dude. Yeah. Uh, of course, it's a Guillermo del Toro movie, so Ron Perlman's going to show up in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought he was great, man. I feel like his voice was uh, 
very fitting of the antagonist of this film uh in contrast with you know uh honest fox i don't think they call him honest fox in this movie i think they call him cal volpe uh in this film but voiced by christoph waltz mm-hmm. but yeah man i love i loved him i love the idea of candlewick being his son voiced by finn wolfhard from stranger things uh, I, I feel like this 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 script, this storyline was pretty fitting, dude. Like, I feel like having it in fascist Italy was the perfect backdrop for this type of story. Yeah, and it, it's been a long time since I've read the original Pinocchio. That was back in, like, middle school. But this one follows a lot more closely to the original story of Pinocchio, while also kind of toning down a lot of the darkness in that book for a more, like, family-friendly kind of thing. So it's not as Disney friendly as, mm-hmm. you know, most people know as Pinocchio. So they'll probably look at this one and go, this is a dark Pinocchio. Uh, this is still a very lighthearted Pinocchio versus how the actual book is. So yeah. it's it's done very well where he towed that line almost perfectly for making a good movie that has like a nice dark undertone to it, but is very mm-hmm. lighthearted overall. Yeah, and um, let me just say the production design in here, man. You you just got to give it up to the props department and how they crafted this. You know, um, both uh, Del Toro and who's the co-director on this? Uh, uh, this one was Mark Gustafson. 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 Uh, it was just they. It was terrific. The, them and the production designers are terrific. Like you look at the design of each of the characters in this film where from geppetto to pinocchio i got i gotta tell you uh off offhand pinocchio looks a little creepy like this could have easily turned into a horror film with the way pinocchio was made but i like how they paint pinocchio's smile like they make him look like he's just he's just cheerful to to just be to just exist and um i love the contract the contrasting designs between the wood sprite and death like, I think they have th- those are like terrifically crafted characters. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this movie definitely like when it comes to like the monkey, even if you were to go, oh, yeah, we need to have like an animated monkey. But they gave it this weird way of like walking that makes it very unique. It has mm-hmm. kind of a little bit of like a shadowed eye a bit or a white outed mm-hmm. eye a little bit. It's you know way of like talking and mannerisms are great you have you know the person that runs the circus the way that he is designed with his hair just coming up from the sides and you know this very like devil kind of you know aesthetic about him where it's like you can tell that he's bad you know right from the get-go outside of knowing the story that he is a villain you can tell just from its character design that he's not a good guy (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, dude, I love the afterlife sequences, specifically the uh the black rabbits. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I love how they crack up and uh Pinocchio just comes out the casket just talking to them like, Hey fellas, how's it going? He, he's like he's like, What? Isn't he dead? Yeah. I saw the paperwork myself. <laughs> right, right. This guy this guy's supposed to be a goner. And then they um, they say, uh, the boss wants to talk to you. <laughs> you know, he goes and talks to the boss who is deaf. And I like the conversations she has with him. She says, listen, um, you know, you're going to you're going to die many times. And you're going to come back here and you're going to be brought back to life. Uh, but you got to wait for this hourglass to stop. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm going to pour sand in here. and You got to wait for the sand to stop and you'll be going back. And I like how that ties into like learning about consequences and learning that you may live forever, but your friends won't. Right. It, she kind of like portrays it as you don't really have a gift of immortality. You have more of a curse of immortality. And while you right. think it's cool now, you're going to regret it in the future. But I also like that they play with that where every time he dies, he's stuck there for a little bit longer and every time he dies, obviously, he has a lot of questions and he's asking them and everything. And then he gets sucked out of there. And it's mm-hmm. like he never has enough time there. And it's the final time that he's there where he wants to leave immediately. He doesn't want to be stuck there. And it's the longest time they has to be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was a great scene. That's uh, uh, where, you know, again, yeah, it is a curse. 
And I love the dialogue between them. And I love the, the contrasting differences in personality between the wood sprite and um and death, where mm-hmm. you know, death goes, Oh, my sister, she always takes pity on humans, or she always takes pity on those who are lost. You know, death understands it is what it is. You know, life is supposed to be finite. You know, you're supposed to enjoy it as much as you can, and then you know, death comes. That's the deal. Uh yeah, so I, I like their differences in character. Dude, I didn't know Kate Blanchett voiced the uh voice Spasatora, the the monkey. When uh the monkey was doing the whole little thing with the puppets, talking to Pinocchio and stuff like that, I didn't know that that was her either. Yeah, that was her. That was her voice cameo. Huh. Yeah, I wouldn't I have know. guessed that. <laughs> I wouldn't have either. Um, you know, we got John Tutoro as uh the doctor, the doctor in the village. I didn't know that either. Well, uh, he only had like three lines, and that was, "Yep, this puppet is dead." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, but I, I, I like the cast here, like even in the smallest roles, like you got Tom Kenny who plays SpongeBob playing Mussolini, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, and, and the sea captain and I believe right hand man was another character he played. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I, I, I like the cast here, like it, everyone just hits perfectly. Um, I got to say, dude, I like how it kind of subverted the whole musical thing. And I, I think it saved me in a way. Because <laughs> when Sebastian Cricket, when Sebastian was telling uh, Pinocchio, like Pinocchio does his little dance and, and song when he first comes alive. But uh, Sebastian tells him, listen, listen, you can't just be running all around here. And then he clears his throat. He's about to break yeah. out of the song. And I like how the door just slams open on him and stops him. I'm like, that's the attitude to have. Right. That's that's the kind of attitude I want my movie to have. Like, let's <laughs> save that till till the end credits or something. You know what I'm saying? Right. And I like that uh, also when he is doing like the puppet show and everything like that. He uh, him and the monkey kind of create this like bond and everything like that, where they create mm-hmm. this secondary show to insult uh, Mussolini when that is. Oh, yeah, like, that was great. I absolutely love that. You know, especially because he has the translator there. Yes, he he said poop. You know, he he's calling you poop, and <laughs> you have the director of it and everything like that uh, with going through and being like, "This is you ruined me. This is it. You know, this is the end of me forever." And I love how he even he, comes back too. Yeah, I thought he died from that because Mussolini oh, was yeah. like, uh, uh, "End the show and shoot him and shoot him." I was like, I was like, all right, Count Vol- Count Volpe's done. Yeah, but then he came back later. Uh, yeah, he was a, he was a good antagonist, uh, dude. I gotta say, the whole military training sequence was pointless to me. Really? Yeah, I didn't like that. I thought that was just distracting from the plot. Like I, I felt like, where, where, whereas Pleasure Island was a nice unsettling detour. I feel like the military training sequence was just—I don't know—it was—it was cool to look at, but it just wasn't needed. I, I think that was kind of to show that uh, he really did take full advantage of the fact that he cannot die. Where he was like, "Yeah, I'm immortal. You know, I'll join the army or I'll join the military, and I'll be one of the choice. best soldiers ever." Well, he had this thing where he wanted to try and like impress people. Like that was his thing. And even though he knew that uh, Geppetto didn't want him joining the military, he felt like he had to in order to save his father. The same way that he left originally to join the circus in order to be able to pay his father's debts that he put him into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all right. I guess so. I just wasn't a big fan of the sequence, but I did like how Podesta, um, you know, gave his son the choice. He says uh, his son comes back and says, oh, well, we both won. We both captured the flag. Mm-hmm. He goes, all right. Gives the gun to his son. It's like, shoot him. Shoot says, the puppet. Right. Shoot the puppet. Um, I thought that was a very nice, tense sequence. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I like the I like the um, climax of it all, too. Uh yeah, dude, uh, the whale sequence in here, much, much better than the whale sequence in the, um, in Zemeckis' film. Yeah, I like how with uh, Geppetto, how he gets swallowed up by the whale because he's trying to actually track down 
Pinocchio from the start. So after Pinocchio left to join the circus in order to like pay off the debts that he had accidentally gotten Geppetto in by signing that contract, Geppetto immediately left to go search for him. And in the process, he ended up getting a boat going into the sea. He was there with Sebastian because this entire time, I like that uh, Sebastian isn't with Pinocchio as his conscious the entire time because Pinocchio then is making these decisions on his own. It's not him being led to make certain decisions. Mm hmm. But the way yeah. that Geppetto gets swallowed by the whale and everything, and he's even going, a father, a son will know when his father is still alive, and he'll come looking for us. Don't worry. And it, just his conversations with Sebastian as he's using him <laughs> as bait for the fish. <laughs> I love the back and forth between them, man. Oh, yeah. It's funny. Um, I wanted to say, uh, yeah, I really like how this film handles Geppetto. You know, mm -hmm. because you can you can still see Geppetto's dealing with grief. He he calls Pinocchio Carlo, but deep down inside, he still misses his real Carlo. Oh, yeah. you know, and by the end of the film, he realizes, OK, you're not you're not Carlo. You're Pinocchio. You're 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 my new you're my other son. You're my mm -hmm. second son. You know, I, I like how he comes to that conclusion by the end. Like it doesn't it doesn't treat him like a whimsical madman like all right i'm just gonna go with the flow right i'm yeah. dealing with a puppet son you know he's he's still even even dealing with podesto he's still a little like wary to announce him as his son he's like oh yeah he's just that that guy's just with yeah. that little guy's just with me that's just a puppet that i made it's it's not a big deal don't think on it too much yeah and i love see i love the subtleties within this film like the deep subtleties like i love the scene in church where he tells his dad, he tells uh, Geppetto, he says, y'all look to that guy, y'all look to that guy out there with reverence, but y'all look at me and see a monster. And he explains, like, he he's talking about the Jesus Christ, um, mm -hmm. you know, uh, statue that he built. He says, well, got to understand, like, you, you know, you, you're not a real boy. You turn people off, you know, like, you got to say that's that's a symbol. You're like actually moving and stuff. You know, you're 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 scaring people. Um yeah, that, that 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 was I like the the nice deep subtle moments in this film. Yeah. And also how Geppetto kind of starts off not wanting anything to do with Pinocchio. It's mm -hmm. he kind of starts to grow on him and then when Pinocchio's gone, he kind of has that shock of he lost his son and now he lost his second chance at having a son. Right. And right. that was a huge driving force for him to go. It's not the same as you know, where the Disney movie, we have Geppetto going, yeah, go off to school. It's all fine and everything like that. I love you. And then when he doesn't show back up, he like freaks out. In the other case, it's Geppetto sends him off to school because he's forced to by the state, more or less, because they're like, right. this is a menace to society. We need to send him off so he can get proper education and everything like that. Otherwise, he's going to become a degenerate. And we can't have that walking around this town. So he re Absolutely. reluctantly sends him off to school because he's forced to. And that's when he gets in trouble and then eventually runs off later. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I just dude, I love that epilogue, man. I love that that mm -hmm. whole sequence, man. And even before then, where um, the wood sprite, uh, the, the wood sprite comes along and uh, speaks with uh, Pinocchio. And at some point she's like, uh, you know, you know, Geppetto, you know, he's he's uh, he's gone, you know, and, and I love how Cricket takes a stand and says, well, well, wait a minute. This puppet gave everything he had like he 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 he, he lived up to what I tried to teach him. I, I wasn't right in the beginning. I, I didn't do it well in the beginning, but he learned through his mistakes, mm -hmm. you know, like because um, Sebastian did a crappy job in the beginning. Yeah, he, he was <laughs> trying, and then throughout most of the movie, he's with Geppetto, not with Pinocchio. Right, right. But the fact is that Pinocchio learned on his own how to be a real boy and take accountability and how, what it means to be human. And I like how Pinocchio, uh, I think he makes the wish that uh, if, if he can have like a... Uh, was it like a finite? What what brings Geppetto back? He makes some kind of wish, right? So it was. Oh no, no, no it was it was Cricket's wish. It was Cricket's uh, Sebastian's wish to bring Geppetto back. 
Uh, Pinocchio sacrifices immortality to come back early so he could save Geppetto. There you go. My bad. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was terrific, man. Or no, the Cricket's wish was to bring back Pinocchio because Pinocchio died bringing back uh, Geppetto. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. My bad. My bad. Pinocchio... Comes back to save Geppetto, uh, you know, and then you're right. You're right. He dies in the process because he's now mortal and uh, Sebastian's wish is to bring Pinocchio back to life. Yeah, I thought that was a terrific one two punch right there in in the uh, in the ending. I thought that was very well done. But uh, I just love that epilogue uh, montage, man. I love how it showed Pinocchio living out the rest of Geppetto's days with him Mm -hmm. to to the day when Pinetto passes away. uh, Geppetto passes away. And then cricket passes away, and then um, what happened to the did the cat pass away too? Uh, the monkey. The, I'm sorry, I keep I keep calling it the cat because <laughs> the, the, the other one, the monkey. Did the monkey pass away too? No, you see the monkey walking with him at the end. Uh, the monkey is very old at that point. You can see Pinocchio is still you know it, exactly how he was before. Because that's when the it? scene where it like zooms in and shows that uh, he still has Sebastian in his heart, like in the matchbox that's right. in his chest. But isn't there like three graves? One for Carlo, one for Geppetto. What was the third grave for? Uh, maybe it was. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah, Spazzatora died. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Pinocchio set off with uh, Sebastian in his heart. And uh, yeah, yeah, the the, uh, the monkey passed away, but I, oh, okay. I just love that. I love that whole passage of time. Mm-hmm. And uh, here's, here's a great final point where uh, Sebastian Cricket is revealed to be telling all this to the uh, rabbits in the afterlife. Oh yeah, they're like they're like, okay, you done? He's like, I just I just told y'all my life story. He's like, he's like, all right, Mister Life Story, now leave us be. Right, they're playing game of poker. <laughs> And then he goes into singing. And I said, okay, now is when you bring in the music, when I can turn this off. <laughs> right. During the credits roll, you, you can start your little song. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I just love that, man. That was a great drop-off point. Yeah, I agree. This this movie definitely held a more consistent tone. And everything about it, I think works out like the animation style, the voice actors that they have for these characters, the tone and kind of motivations of these characters. It all falls into place. The fact that it takes place over several days instead of it taking place over the course of just a couple of hours or so, Mm -hmm. it, it definitely helps with the scale of everything with Pinocchio actually being able to die or, well, not him dying and meeting death and everything like that. It creates a weird dynamic with him that kind of brings right. a new element to the story. You have all these kind of little players in it. I like it. I This movie is a Guillermo del Toro movie through and through in its tone and everything that it has. You can easily tell. And he toes that line in making a family-friendly Pinocchio movie that stays very true to its source material as possible. And I mm-hmm. it I absolutely love this movie. Mm. Yeah, same. Uh yeah, man. But great animated film. I I I enjoyed it. Uh I give this a four out of five. I, I'm right there with you, four out of five. Yeah, yeah. It's very terrific, man. Very, very enjoyable. Uh I mean, I guess. We both knew where this was coming when, when we came in here. Uh, clear winner. Yeah. It, Del Toro, you know what it is. There was one one of these movies I was excited to watch when you brought up the concept of it. It was already on my list. The other one I kind of went, uh, well, mm, okay. <laughs> I waited till last minute to watch the Zemeckis one. Because part of me was like, dude, it's Robert Zemeckis. He doesn't make bad movies. I'm like, you know what? Every director has a dud. It's okay. There's the uh, there's the exception to every rule. Right, right. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, man. Time to get into after show topics. Um, your boy James Gunn has been uh, cleaning house at DC, man. Yeah, he is basically reforming. I can't remember who he's uh, co 
kind of owning DC with, but he's, they've been going through and clearing out a bunch of like scripts that were in writing process. Uh, Flash Mm -hmm. is coming out as expected. Shazam two is coming as expected. Uh, Wonder Woman three, they apparently denied the script for. So that's either going to go into rewrites whether Patty Jenkins is going to stay attached to it or not is kind of up in the air. The mm-hmm. original script for Man and Steel 2 was shot down, so that's going to go in rewrites. Uh, I don't think that one had a director attached to it yet, either. Mm-hmm. The possible Black Adam sequel has been completely scrapped. Uh, Aquaman Dang. is kind of up in the air. Well, Aquaman 2 is coming still, but right, beyond right. that, I think that's still up in the air. Uh, any future Harley Quinn movies are kind of up in the air right now. Basically, they're going through and going. Anything that's not like almost hitting post-production right now is mm-hmm. getting swept up. And we're going to start restructuring things. And I think they're really going to use Flashpoint as that reason to restructure things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Peter Saffron is Peter um, Sa- the that's other. It. Yep. Peter Saffron is the other man that he's um, running DC films with. Um, yeah, so it looks like I uh, I'm hopeful for the future. You know, I mm-hmm. I'm kind of superheroed out. I feel like Wakanda Forever is the last one I'll I'll probably see for a minute. But um, you know, I I I'm I'm hopeful about the future. I think DC takes a lot of risk. Uh, director wise and let and gives the director some creative freedom more than a Marvel formula would. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like you see what um man, I know my man's name. Oh, what, you see what Matt Reeves did with the Batman, you know, what James Gunn did with the Suicide Squad. There's more creative freedom on the DC side. You know what I mean? Uh so that I feel like they they take more risk than Marvel. And uh they 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 hit well, re- recently they've hit more rewards than, uh, uh, you know, fails. Right. And um, I hope that they keep that tone up because when it came to right. like Joker, uh, Matt Reeves, Batman, you know, those movies had no kind of connection to the rest of the movies. If they failed, mm-hmm. they failed. They There was really no risk on DC's part to let them do whatever they wanted to do with it. But then you had James Gunn come in and do Suicide Squad and get full creative control and that worked out perfectly. You had uh, The Rock come in with complete control over Black Adam, and that did not go as well. Oh, so that was his creative control. Yeah, the, well, The Rock usually, when he is uh, in a movie, he usually has a lot of uh, power <laughs> to conform so, that movie. So so this was kind of a Tom Cruise mummy situation. More or less, yeah. Where, where t- yeah, all right. All right. Well, fair enough. Fair enough. Have you seen that movie yet? I still haven't seen it. I have not seen it yet. Uh, somebody showed me the end credit scene because they were like, yeah, this is Superman. this is the part to watch. And it's <laughs> nothing it, else matters. Right. Nothing else matters about it. Apparently, the tone in the movie is completely all over the place and everything with its idea of like, here's these other superheroes that are around, you know, doing their thing. But yeah, it's. Uh- I have not seen the full movie yet. Well, it's interesting to see where this goes. I just love how the toxicity got some uh, felt felt like they got uh, some justification in Wonder Woman three being shut down. Like, like, yay, that that Wonder Woman 84 movie sucked. I'm glad there's no more of them. And I was like, look, man, I ain't going to sit here and say Patty Jenkins is a bad director. She just made a bad movie. Yeah. Like I, I give her some grace, you know, like, you know, maybe the script that she brought to the table was bad. You know, uh, you know, maybe they got a chance to to revamp and do something else. Like, you know, I, I love it when there, there's that uh uh not justification, but what word am I looking for? There's that fulfillment from the toxic fan base online. Oh, yeah. Like, we told you guys we were right. Yeah. Now look what happened. Now look what's going on. They they knew that she was terrible and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, right. she's not a bad director. She just had a hit or she had a really good movie followed by a really bad movie. It's yeah, the same it as miss. like Taika Waititi with, you know, Thor 3, Ragnarok, and then Love and Thunder. 
You know, you had an mm. absolute hit, and then afterwards you had a miss. And it's like, it doesn't make Taika a bad director. It just, right. not everybody is going to be batting a thousand at every turn. Yeah, it just means you got to switch your style up. That's all. Right. Um. Yeah, yeah. So I've been hearing about that, and uh, Henry Cavill's Superman is kind of up in the air. I mean, I think he's a good Superman. If they could find room to bring him back, cool. If they don't, I'm like, eh. Whatever. I have a feeling that he'll be back as Superman. It's just the script that they had for Man of Steel 2 probably doesn't fit in with what they want to try and accomplish with the DC kind of movies going forward. I just want to know, is Zack coming back? Are we going to get the Snyder Man back? Questionable. (laughs) Very questionable. it, It ain't like he was bad for DC. Let's call it what it is. He had a bad plan for DC. If somebody had just kind of gone up to him and gone, no, we're not going to try and pack three movies into a single movie and call it Batman versus Superman. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> but when you watch the extended cut of Batman versus Superman, it's not a bad movie. I don't know. if In my personal opinion. <laughs> I, I kind of got to disagree with that. Uh, it don't it know still what- is a very over congested mess it's not perfect but i don't think it's bad i mean like it, it, you don't you don't know what you have till it's going i still don't like man of steel but i don't know man that Zack snyder's justice league just did something to me i'm like this is what we could have had man <laughs> we could have had this like i would have loved to see them go against dark side or uh uh yeah the main villain towards the end of the movie i i would have loved to see that mm. well i mean at the same time it's kind of like being given a, uh, you know, a, a cup of mud water, and then later somebody gives you an RC cola and goes, <laughs> "Look, it's so much better, but it's still RC cola. It's still not the best." Zack Snyder's Justice League is a masterpiece, <laughs> and, and that's it is, man. It is, man. It's a great movie. I don't think it needs a black and white version, but it's a good movie. All right, I I thought it was a good movie. This film um, is going to be presented in four by three aspect ratio to keep the director's <laughs> vision. <laughs> right, right. Uh, but I'm, I'm, um, I'm hopeful about the future of DC. You, uh, you seen any new movies lately? Uh, I have. I actually sat down and watched Spirited, uh, the new one with Will oh, Ferrell nice. and Ryan Reynolds. Uh, I liked it. It's a good kind of take on the Scrooge kind of storyline that has a couple good surprises in it. It's it's a musical, so I'm sure you'll love it if you wanted to check that one out. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll, I'll watch that right away. Right. <laughs> I'll add that to the top of my list. I, I bet I you're going to you're, you're going to walk away and you're going to start it right now, aren't you? <laughs> I ain't got none else but time for, for that kind of movie. <laughs> So that one, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good kind of take on the story and everything like that. It's a good, like, wholesome Christmas movie. On the opposite side of that, I also saw Violent Night, which I absolutely loved Mm. as a... Good movie? I I liked it, but at the same time, it's comedy and everything fell, like, into my kind of category of comedy and, Mm. like, dark humor and everything, that you have this... Santa just being a beast and, you know, killing people left and right because they're on the naughty list and he just wants to get out of this house. And in order to get out, he has to go through these people. Uh, I love how the movie kind of does a couple things like without spoiling anything, they kind of mock uh, Home Alone a little bit with the way that its traps are and with you know, one of the girls in the movie, like she sets up booby traps for the guys. And one of their comments is, you know, it, in order for it to be a booby trap, it has to be hidden because it's just so plain as day when she was setting up. And right. it, it's exactly like Home Alone and everything. And it, I, I like the humor in it. I love the dark humor in it. Uh, David Harbour as like a fed up Santa Claus. Some of the jokes in that just hit perfectly as like this immortal Santa Claus that no longer wants to be Santa Claus because he's not appreciated anymore. It's it's a tough job. (laughs) Right. Yeah. 
All right, man. I um, yeah, that that that, that did kind of look funny. I, I might watch it one day, maybe. It's a fun uh, movie. If you don't catch it in theaters, I'm sure it'll hit streaming, and I recommend checking yeah. it out with that. Okay, okay. Um, I saw She Said recently, and uh, you know that's the movie about the reporters that uh broke the Harvey Weinstein story at the yep. New York Times. Uh, solid acting. Uh, respectful handling of the material and the true life story as well as the horrifying accounts but it's it's it was so formulaic really like it was like yeah it was kind of like a procedural type of movie like you you remember when we watched spotlight mm-hmm. about how they, yeah, yeah so like that movie was well done and it, it it was procedural but it wasn't formulaic she said it came off formulaic like there are great moments there are great acting moments within the film great cast it's just it feels like one of those movies that didn't really need to be made if you know the story like i feel like for people in the future that learn about hey there was this bad producer in hollywood that was taken down by this great story it might be essential watching for for people in the future but i feel like if you know the story you don't you don't really need to see the movie so do you think this is going to be the movie that like classroom show to kind of portray like what went down or i think I, th- I could see journalism classes maybe showing this film because okay. it's not it's not it's not bad to show like the everyday job of a journalist because it's not glamorous. Mm. Right. It's not glamorous, but it, it's it, it does a good job of showing like them going through the procedure of interviewing people, you know, talking to Gwyneth Paltrow, talking to Ashley Judd and everybody. It's 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 a very it's very well done in how it shows the procedure. But it's just like it's just formulaic. OK, I, I- yeah. That's kind of a shame because that one was on my list to check out. Uh, I think it's a good one-time watch. Okay. I think you you might you might pull some things out of it that I didn't, but I thought it was a it was an okay one-time watch. But I, I feel like they they were very respectful towards the story and what happened. Um, but I wanted to say I uh I got a sneak peek at the whale, dude. Oh, nice. Is it is it still on my list? Is it still on you? Oh, dude. Brandon Fraser, uh, performance-wise, I can't, I really can't see anyone else topping him for best actor. Really, he he just, dude, he just nails it. I just nails it out of the park. He hits it out of the park in this one, but it's kind of a weird one because his acting is great mm-hmm. and carries the movie, but the movie itself is is kind of eh. Really, so he's like, the best part of an otherwise okay movie. Yeah, yeah, and and it's depending on who you talk to because the theme of the movie is great and solid. The character is really good, but it's just like it's the handling of the material and some of the supporting actors' performances that kind of throw it off. Okay, like the, the times where the camera is off Frasier is kind of a it's kind of detrimental to the film because it's like hey, I, I kind of want to go back to Frasier because mm-hmm. this other part doesn't really benefit while I'm watching this movie, but it's basically. He's great. The movie is kind of eyed. Okay. Yeah. But uh, we can talk more about that when that comes out and you and eventually you'll see it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it for me, man. Okay. Uh, I think that kind of wraps this up then. All right, y'all. It's been another episode of DFV. Please like, share, and subscribe. Uh, if you want to read my review on Pinocchio, you can go to 8bitwaffles.com. Brad, I think you're writing one on Violent Night. Yes. Yep, we will have one on Violent Night up soon. Yes, yes, we that will be up soon. Um, yeah, like, share, and subscribe. Watch more movies. Uh, take care. <laughs>